Okay, we'll start with some scripture to warm us up. 1 Peter 1.15. Had this verse last week. But you now must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. In my notes here, I've, I've put the word must in capital letters. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. You know, and I think we covered this last week. Throughout scripture, there is a clear and unambiguous call to personal and corporate holiness. And last week, didn't we, we talked about, about how this was a pendulum that really does need to swing. This is an emphasis, a priority that has drifted. And worldliness and a spot of apathy and a bit of compromise has sneaked its way back into church, big C. And at least to a degree, I think, we have forgotten the divine imperative. We've tended to regard his, his commandments as options or suggestions, and we've underestimated his right as King of Kings and Lord of Lords to set the terms, perhaps misinterpreting what the expectations are that go with calling ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. And so here's the rhema word, if we want more. And we're going to need to tweak this dial. We're going to need to raise that temperature. That pendulum is going to have to start swinging. Because God is calling us back to holiness. Are you hearing that call? Is it just me? I know it's not just me because as leaders, as we've talked and prayed and sought the Lord for what he's doing and what he's saying... You know, as we, as we, we take a, a thermostat reading, as it were, as we attempt to discern the time and the season, we catch this message. God is calling us back to holiness. And it's not just here at the bar, and I'm always looking out to see what God is doing and saying elsewhere. Mary shared last week that a church back in Johannesburg is preaching a strong series on holiness right now. Trinity and Chelton, one of our closest uh, friends just down the road, they've just finished a series on the fear of the Lord, many weeks. And so the aim of this series, as I see it, is to tweak that dial firmly back in the direction of personal and corporate holiness. And here's the good news. We covered this a bit last week. But the good news is if you will respond to that call, if you would respond to that call, it will totally transform your life in so many positive ways. Amen. You could be more excited about that. Okay, so today the aim is to lay a little bit more 
foundation. This is going to take a few weeks to establish this, I think, before we start getting into intricacies and nuances and details. But you know, there are gospel principles that underpin all of this. And it's crucial that we get our gospel grammar right, or it'll just revert back to works and religion. We get the order wrong and we're in danger of, of simply repeating the frustrations and failures and errors of the past. And the moral of the story is the gospel is the power. It all depends on understanding and appropriating what Jesus came to do and what Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do. And if we truly grasp that, we can find the freedom and the fulfillment that we all long for. And not only that, we can have holiness His way, in His strength, and for His glory. So going back in time, you know, the very first series, I think it was the very first series that I preached at the barn back in the Crawford Hall, for you oldies. Series was called Aha. Not after a famous Norwegian rock band, but after the, the key revelations that, that personally had changed and revolutionized my life. And, and one of the messages in that series, I called at the time, Position, Progression, and Glory. A proper theologian would call it justification, sanctification, and glorification. Don't you love a long word? And and that message goes something like this. For many kingdom attributes, that there is a past and a present and a future tense. In one sense, number one, I have it already. Past tense. It's position. In the second sense, progression, I I increasingly have it or access it as I grow in it. And then thirdly, the future tense, the third tense is, is, you know, actually, I will not see the fullness of this, this side of heaven glory. Putting another way, you need to know this. Number one, you need to know what Jesus has done for you, past tense. You need to know what he is doing in you now, present tense. And you need to know what he will do for everyone one day when he returns in glory, future tense. So position, progression, and glory. Position. This is who I am now as a result of the finished work of the cross. Reconciled relationship. New status and identity in Christ. How God sees me. Position. And then progression. This is what I am intended To grow in. The process of of maturing and renewing and perfecting. 
And then thirdly, what it's going to look like in heaven. When he makes all things new. No more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Glorified resurrection bodies. And so on. All using the theological words justification, position, sanctification, progression, glorification, glory. I'll define those, those three words quickly. Justification, and actually we covered this when we did Philippians quite recently, if you remember. Justification is the act by which God makes and pronounces us right and acceptable in his sight. Justification. And I want you to know right from the beginning, this is an act and not a process. It's done. It's finished. It's proclaimed. It's been signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Christ. This one is past tense. Lots of verses I could share. Romans 5.1. I always struggle to weed out five, six verses and just give you the one. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The great judge has pronounced sentence and dramatically in the most stunning act of mercy, we have been justified, declared right and holy once and for all. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And since since we are justified by faith, this is an instant and immediate transaction between the believing sinner and God. And in that sense, you cannot become more justified than you are right now. It is an act and not a process. And you'll see in a minute why this becomes important. Because you see, justification determines and fixes your position and your identity and your security in Christ. Those things are not up for grabs. And for that, we are massively and eternally grateful. Justification. And then secondly, the progression element, sanctification. I could define that as the ongoing process by which God, the Holy Spirit, makes us more like Jesus. And this one, it is a process and not an act. This is one we will all be working on until the day we die. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, makes us, present tense, more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Yes and amen. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. And I want you to notice that in, the, in those three verses, that the, the verbs there are present tense, kind of present continuous tense. 
Now, I don't know about you. I am hugely grateful that Jesus has, past tense, saved me. But I am acutely aware there is still much in me that still needs saving. I have good days and bad days. I have successes and failures. Don't say those amens too loud. That there are still parts of me, still parts of all of us, that are broken. That are imperfect or, or wounded or, or insecure or fearful. You know, there are potholes I keep still falling in, much to my own frustration. And the reality is we are all in that boat on the same ocean and trying to paddle to the same shore. And into, into that, Paul wrote things like this. Philippians 2 verse 12. Continue, hear the tense there, continue to work out your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And so we are all, we're all on a journey. A journey of working out. A journey of increasingly being saved, pressing into the fullness of sozo, the sozo of salvation. And we call this process, we call it sanctification. And I want you to note that that does not alter or affect justification, our position. It doesn't alter or affect glorification, our eternal future. But it does affect our peace and joy. It does affect our ability to give and receive love. And it does affect our fruitfulness on the vine. And then thirdly, we have glorification, the ultimate fulfillment. And this one, of course, is future tense. When Jesus comes back to rescue us all once and for all. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been, past tense, born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live, present tense, with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until, future tense, until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Hallelujah. This is the culmination. This is, this is the fulfillment. This is our destiny and reward. 2 Timothy 4 verse 18. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. As the book of Revelation says right at the end, penultimate verse. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Okay, that's the gospel. That's the process 
if you like, that's the, that's the timeline. I just quickly want to give you three examples to make sure you've really got this. Example number one is going to be salvation. I think we've already covered it, so I'll go through this quickly. Salvation has a past, a present, and a future sent element to it. Number one, position. Saved by grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We understand that, our position. And then the progression, the, the working out of our salvation. A couple of different verses here. 1 Peter 1 verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 9, for you are receiving, ongoing, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. James 1 verse 21, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Your mind, your will, your emotions. And then thirdly, glory, the, the, the resurrection of the body. 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is imperishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So position... Is the salvation of the spirit. It's new birth. Past tense. Progression, the ongoing, is the salvation of the soul. The renewing of your mind. The healing and the training of your emotions. The, the surrendering of your will. And then glory, the future, is the salvation of the body on resurrection day. Salvation has a past, present, and a future element. Number two, righteousness. First of all, position. I, you, we, am, are righteous. In other words, we are in a position of right standing with God. Reconciled, adopted, accepted. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Of God. So in this sense, righteousness is a position. It, it is unaffected by our conduct. It's the result of the great exchange. You know, he took our filthy rags of self-righteousness on his shoulders on the cross, and he gave us in that great exchange his robe of righteousness, the garments of salvation. And so in that sense, you cannot become more righteous. And then number two, we have, we have the progression, the sense that actually we, we need to become more righteous. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, But seek, aim at, and strive after, this is the Amplified, first of all his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek after his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Progression, the sense that we need to become more 
righteous. And then third, we have glory, which is right standing, fully realized. In the end, God makes all things right. Example number two, righteous. Example number three, which obviously is where we're aiming, is holiness. So we'll start with number one, justification. I am positionally holy. In Christ, you are positionally holy. Colossians 1 verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you past tense by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Hebrews 10 verse 10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. God has declared us holy. But by the finished work of Christ on the cross, he has made us holy. And this is our status. This is our position. This is our identity. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. Holy set apart one. And you know what? That changes everything. Doesn't mean you no longer sin. It just means that that is no longer your identity. That, that is not the, the starting point. That, that is not what defines you. you. You are not a sinner trying desperately to reckon yourself, reconcile yourself with, a, with your father. You are a son or daughter who sometimes struggles with sin. And hence, this process of sanctification, of being set apart, of separating yourself, of becoming gradually cleaner and purer and more holy. So number two is, is sanctification, this idea that we need to pursue and seek and go after holiness. Hebrews 12 verse 14, read this one last week. Strive to live in peace with everyone and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. 1 Peter 1 verse 14 through 16, I'm going to read this from, from the message it says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. I love the way he expresses that. Do, do, do you hear the imperative here? But, but also, can you see the process? You know, we're going to dive into all this a lot more over the next few weeks. But, but, but hear Eugene Peterson's language as he renders this text. Don't. Don't. 
Don't let yourself be pulled. Don't let yourself be pulled. He describes us as obedient children. Are we obedient children? We tend to focus on the children part. Do we lose sight of the obedient part? And I want you to observe the, the respective roles in this passage between God and ourselves. You know, there's clearly a, a willful obedience requirement on our part. You've got to let yourself be pulled. Having said that, it is going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And hence the use of the word pulled. Pulled into what? A way of life. This is a calling into something new and something better. A way, it says, shaped by God's life. His life, not your life. It's going to be grace and not works. It's going to be spirit and not flesh. And the destination is a life energetic and blazing with holiness. I love that. Energetic. Why? Because you'll no longer be constrained and burdened and held back by sin and guilt and regret and foolishness. Energetic. But also blazing. Why? Because holiness is a beautiful thing. It's radiant and attractive and transformative. So we have the past element of holiness, justification. You are positionally holy. We have the progressive element or sense of holiness that, that by sanctification we become more holy, more like Jesus. And then, of course, thirdly, we look ahead to glorification. In heaven, everything will be holy. Remember what the angels sang. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Remember what Isaiah saw in his vision. Listen to the prophecy of, of John in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Verse 2. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Justification, sanctification, glorification, position, progression, glory. Why is this so important? Well, for a start, it, it helps us to make sense of Paul's teaching, of which there's plenty. And at times, if you don't understand this foundation, at the times his, his teaching can appear a little bit, bit confusing or maybe even complex or slightly contradictory almost. You know, am I holy or not? The answer is yes. How can I become 
more holy if he's already declared me to be holy. And we'll read the text without this underlying principle, a little bit confused probably. Which is it? Am I holy or not? Which is it? And the answer is not either or. The answer is both and. And in fact, in this case, in all three senses, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So holy is something that we are now by position as a result of justification. We'll come back to this. Holiness is something we need to grow progressively into by the process of sanctification. Secure in the knowledge that one day God is coming back to make all things, including you and me, holy. Glorification. You know, and this is absolutely fundamental. It helps deal with some of the mindsets that Christian, Christians really struggle with. And I think I might preach a series on this actually in 2024 at some point. The three mindsets that people really struggle with is number one, worm theology. I'm just a hopeless, miserable sinner. Number two is works philosophy. I've just got to roll my sleeves up, huff and puff, and maybe if I do really, really well, God might take a little bit of pity on me. And the third one is a victim mentality. I mean, we sung powerfully about that today. But so many Christians see themselves as the victim because they don't know which side of the line they lie on. This is abso absolutely fundamental. It clarifies, number one, who I am in Christ. It clarifies how God sees you. It's why we can be really secure in our identity. I can be really strong in my spiritual warfare. Number two, it clarifies what we need to focus on in the here and now. It, it lets us know what God is expecting of us, where the Holy Spirit is trying to take us. And thirdly, it clarifies the fact that we really can totally and utterly trust God. God has got it. His purposes cannot be thwarted with glorification in the, in the view. In the end, the Lamb wins. And you and I are on his side. Praise the Lord. I'm going to close, close with this thought. It's vital that we keep justification and sanctification and glorification. It's vital that we keep them in view. And it's vital that we keep them in balance. And I'm going to outline three dangers of where people find themselves a bit wobbly. Number one, the danger is, is I'm going to call it stuck at justification. The cross, of course, is of pivotal importance. But you know what? The story doesn't end there. I tell the story. I, I love my little small childhood church you know they were absolutely fantastic at taking you to the cross we had young people being baptized and making them it was great they were fantastic at taking you to the cross 
But then essentially they abandoned you there. You know, after the resurrection came the ascension. After the ascension came Pentecost. After the Gospels comes the book of Acts. At the end, we have the book of Revelation. You know, there's more to life than just repent, come to the altar, fall on your knees, confess how hopeless you are, and repeat. We must embark then on this journey of sanctification, the process of discipleship, into, into the fullness of the Spirit, learning how to rule and reign in Christ, how to grow strong and mature in faith. So danger number one is getting stuck at justification and, and forgetting about and ignoring and not moving into sanctification with the hope and expectation of glorification. Danger number one. Here's danger number two. I'm going to say this smiling. Number two is transfixed by glorification. And these people, they never live in the reality of justification or the fullness of sanctification. Have you heard this one before? Is it, is it pie in the sky when you die or steak on a plate while you wait? You know, for this kind of person, transfixed by glorification, losing sight of justification, sanctification, I think it's a case of I'm just going to hang in there grimly until the end. You know, what's the, what's the theology? Life is a dash. Life is a blip. Eternity is forever. I'm just going to cling on until Jesus comes back. All I'm going to do is study the book of Revelation in a confusion of terror and wishful thinking and hope for the best. I know Christians who fall in that pothole. And then danger number three is on the sanctification journey to lose sight of the beginning and the end. Lose sight of justification and lose sight of glorification. And if that's the case, sanctification just becomes a real stress and a struggle and a strive. And it just exposes you to yet more guilt and shame and failure. Because without justification... Without knowing who you are in Christ, without that stability and that security and that identity, it's easy to get sucked back into that, that worm theology and that works philosophy and that victim mentality. Similarly, with, if, you, if you lose sight of glorification, without glorification, it's easy to get overwhelmed and to lose hope, and to lose sight of the goal. You mustn't forget the why of sanctification. You'll see now why I'm preaching this message part two with lots of parts to go. We mustn't forget the why of sanctification. We mustn't forget the, the who of sanctification. Because if we do, we will miss the joy of sanctification. Amen. Okay, and whilst the worship team, if they wouldn't mind coming to the front, please, that would be great. And I'll just quickly open up how we're going to respond to this this morning, and, uh, and then we'll be done. So I was taught that every message should lead into some form of worship. 
And for me, this message leads into two. The first one, quite simply, is, is worship and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for all Jesus has done for me. That's what this message says, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, for all you have done for me. Let's never lose that gratitude. And then the other part is, thank you, Lord, that one day you are coming back for your own. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So the first way we can respond to, to this message, this fundamental message, is just simply in worship, on our knees. Thank you, Lord. And the second worshipful response out of this is consecration. Which is to say something like this, Lord, I'm in. Lord, would you take me on that journey? Would you lead me? Lord, I surrender. It is the line. Come and do in me all that you need to do so that you can do through me all that you want and purpose to do. I'm convinced that both these sets of prayers are prayers that should be prayed constantly every day. I'm sure that most of my prayer life is consecration. God, here I am. Take me. Do something miraculous with it. I offer myself to you. I get myself on my knees. I want to become more like you. I want to step into what you've called me to do. I want to be obedient to, the, to that divine imperative. I, I want to be more like Jesus. And I'd really strongly encourage you this morning, as we respond, to pray those prayers. To open the door wide and say, Lord, come in. You know what happens when you pray, don't you? Heaven hears. God answers. Things start to change. Or more importantly, you start to change. So as always, we'll offer the three options over this side. We have a prayer ministry team who would be very happy, privileged, honored to pray for you, pray over you, whether it's particularly related to this message or, or otherwise, come and see them over, over there. Over this side, over here, this is where we leave space for people to do business with God. If you want to pray those consecration prayers, you can probably only pray those for yourself. Someone can't pray those prayers for you. So come over here. I'd encourage you to do it. Come and get on your knees. Stretch out your hands. Close your eyes. Bow down and just say, God, I'm in. And then the third um, response, as I've said, I'm very happy to, to pray for healing for anyone who has got sickness or pain in their body. I want to encourage you with a couple of testimonies that have grown out of that. I won't mention names, but there's, there's someone who had a really, really bad, really, really sore, weak knee. And we prayed, and as we prayed, he just articulated kind of that sense of heat and fire, and then came back a week later and said, the, the pain is, is gone. You know, yeah, there's still a work in progress, still a bit of weakness there, but that day-to-day -day pain that was holding me back is gone. Praise the Lord. And then there was another guy who was having long COVID, you know this is probably, uh, long COVID issues and was really struggling with energy levels and concentration, all those kind of things, as, as I know several of you are. But just that real sense that, that God had met with him and that there were kind of a, a, a beginning of that restoration of energy levels and, and, and a report of, of what he'd been able to do that day and really grateful for the touch of the Lord. So we're going to keep praying. You know, keep releasing that spirit of faith. Keep praying those bold prayers because I don't know about you, I believe that God is very content and happy to answer those prayers. So if you want to come and see me, if this line gets too long, we'll pull in reinforcements.
But uh, let's, let's pray. Um, the worship team will lead us in this, in this next 10 minutes or so. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and for all you did for us. And Lord, we don't for one second take for granted what that means. Help us to understand what that means, who we now are. Not in our own strength, not because we did anything wonderful, because you are amazing and you love us so much. And yet, Lord, that, that, that necessitates a response, Lord. Our response to you is to get on our knees and our faces and say, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be open to your work in my life. I want to be used for your glory. Come and take me on that journey of taking me from where I was, those broken, unrenewed bits, into where I could be. If the power of the Holy Spirit be fully realized in myself. So Holy Spirit, we give you this time. Come speak, come whisper, come stir, come strengthen, come fill, come encourage, come impart, we pray. In Jesus' name.